Here you go, babe. I got your coffee. I think I got it right this time. Pero que esto? You're useless. Do you even love me? A better man would have done better than this. I mean, no puedes recordar cómo me gusta el café? You should be better than this. Meet John, a young man stuck in a toxic relationship. John desires to find somebody who loves and respects him, yet finds himself going from one verbal battle to another. How does he learn to break this cycle and set boundaries in order to find a healthy relationship? Join us this week as we cover this toxic topic in the Insanity Zone. The Insanity Zone. You're all like, what is he going to talk about? What's going on? What's going on? That's not Pastor Corey. Nope. My name is Mac. I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks for being with us today. We are starting a new series called The Insanity Zone. Uh, it's uh, taken from that old adage, that definition that's been going around for a while. What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, right? See, you're such a good class. Look at that. It's fantastic. I have those, uh, those things in my life. You probably have them in your life. Um, areas that we want to change, but for whatever the reason, whatever the re we're not judging what the reason is. We're not judging whether it's good or bad. It could be good or bad. It could be wise, unwise. Whatever the reason is, we are not willing to make the change. We want change. We're just not willing to do it or unwilling to do it or not able to. What? whatever the case might be. And so we're going to have a conversation. We want to invite you in uh, to this kind of three, four-week conversation that we're going to have, and hopefully we'll give you some tools and some tips that maybe might stop a little bit of a cycle of madness for you, maybe give you a little bit of, uh, little bit of help to stop those actions uh, and those thoughts maybe that uh, have caused constant uh, issues in our life. So that's what we're going to do over the next four weeks. Sound good? Yeah? If it's not, we're speaking anyway, so you got to sit there. Anyway, so uh, to have a little fun with this, we posted a question on social media asking, uh, what is something that you love but you found out is not really good for you? So let's see what some people said about that. So uh, the first one is working nonstop. That's right, working nonstop. Uh, how about another one? Let's see. Uh, what is somebody else? Binge watching a TV series, right? You might all be holy and stuff like that, but if you're anything like me, you're like, oh, that looks good. And then it's 2.30 in the morning. You've watched three years of a show and, and you can't seem to go to sleep anymore. You're like, I gotta watch the next one, right? Um, uh, so binge watching a TV series. What's it? Social media. Yeah, love it for the memories and keeping in touch with people. Hate that it can be a time energy drain. That's right. That's another four-hour drain on your life right there. That's absolutely. What's the next one? Potato salad. Now, <laughs> this guy's potato salad specifically. Now, I don't know if it's because it's good and they're eating like a gallon of it or if it's so bad, it's going to revisit you. It's the blessing that'll keep on giving, right? It's the gift that'll keep on giving. <laughs> it reminds me, that reminds me of the first time I got food poisoning. I was working at a bank. Uh, right, you can already tell it's going to be great. I was wearing a suit and tie. It was fantastic. So uh, I was working at a bank, and I was going off to college, and they were throwing a going-away party for me, and um, they kind of had this big spread out, 
and um, they had taco salad. Now, I love Mexican food, and I'm not saying taco salad is Mexican food, but if you put a little cumin, some peppers, some jalapenos and onions in it, baby, I'm going to eat it. It's going to be okay, And because um, I love me some Mexican food. And so I saw this taco salad. I said, well, the party's for me, so I'm going to wreck the taco salad. And so I did. I wrecked the taco salad. Man, I hate way too much. And uh, I go back. I was working at a bank. I was a teller. And uh, for those of you that are really young, ask your parents and grandparents what we did back in the day. So, um, so I, I, go back to, I go back to my window, and uh, I'm, I'm working, and I feel a little something. Hey, the taco salad's like, remember me? It's like, hey. I was like, ooh, that's an interesting feeling. I'm not supposed to feel that. But I, I, you know, we had a bathroom close by. I was like, oh, if I need to go, I'll go. It'll be fine. And then about a half hour later, the cold sweats hit, right? And so when I get the rumbles, right, the gurgles in the, in the stomach, and I get the cold sweats, it's about to go. It's about to go down. And so I was like, excuse me. I didn't want to embarrass myself or make anybody else angry. So I, I, uh, our break room was actually downstairs, kind of like a basement area in the bank. And uh, that's where our break room. So I, I go to the steps to go downstairs, and I hit the first rung of the step. And you know that feeling you get in the back of your throat when your meal is about to bless you again? You know that feeling? That's what I felt. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. And so I take off down the steps. I maybe hit one rung of the steps. I may may have hit it. Um, And I, I run through the break room. I kick open the bathroom. I kick open the stall. And it's like I'm doing a fade off jumper. I projectile vomit into the stall. Now, I would love to say that I'm a really good shot but I'm not. And so I made it kind of around the toilet. Um, there's nothing like starting off a good series with a good puke story, right? So, so I'm like, right? As I'm, as I'm moving forward and I lunge for the toilet and I'm over the toilet bracing myself for what seemed to be the most violent, ungodly moment of my life. And I'm throwing up in the toilet and I look down in between, you know, heaves, And I look at my favorite golf tie, which had nestled itself on the bottom of the toilet in the puke. Oh, it gets better. It's fantastic. And I look at it. I was like, well, that's the last time I'm wearing that. And then, and so for 45 minutes, I experienced, I I was not that funny. I experienced this thing that I had never experienced before, where everything that I had eaten in my entire life decided to project itself out of my body from both ends, alternately. For 45 minutes, I wanted to die. So I finally cleaned myself up, hose down the stall, throw away the tie, because it was all empty, and I went back into the kitchen and ate the taco salad again, because it was really, really, really... <laughs> that would be insane. Could you imagine? I, well, now that I got that over with, I think I can handle it this time, right? It's, but, so why do I tell this very uplifting and edifying, encouraging story for us today? Uh, because I think As insane as it would be for me to go back into the kitchen, needless to say, I couldn't eat taco salad for like 10 years after that. I still get the jitters when I see it. Um, But 
How insane would it, would it be for me to go back in there thinking, oh, I got this, it'll be fine this time. But I think a lot of us do that with our relationships. I think a lot of us are in what these, in, in relationships that started off really great. They're awesome, right? Like, mm, taco salad, they're fantastic. They're, they're gonna fulfill us, they're gonna fill us up. We love them, they're fantastic. And what we don't know is that inside it's actually killing us. It's poisoning our hearts and our souls and it's breaking us from the inside out and we think maybe if we can just hang on long enough, it'll be different. But it's never different, is it? It's just toxic. It's just toxic. And you gotta wonder why we do that. Why do we continue on in this unrelenting cycle. Maybe it's a single person. Maybe it's one person after another. And we think we're doing something that we need. We think we're doing something that we love. But really what we're doing is killing ourselves slowly. Poisoning our hearts and our souls. So what do I mean by a toxic relationship? Here's what I mean by a toxic relationship. Psychology today... Uh, defines toxic relationships like this. A relationship in which there is a repetitive, mutually destructive, unhealthy pattern that causes more harm than good for both individuals. And for believers in Jesus, I would actually add this other one as well. A relationship that leads people away from Jesus and the life that he's called them to live. Now, I'm not talking, hear, hear my heart here, okay? Because in our cancel culture, sometimes it's a little difficult for us to differentiate, for us to discern what a toxic relationship is versus what a difficult circumstance is. I'm not talking about dealing with somebody and it's a difficult moment. I'm not, the world will tell you, man, don't let anybody say anything negative about you because you ain't got time for that, baby. That's not what I'm talking about. I got great friends who tell me things that I need to hear. And it's not comfortable all the time, but I know they love me. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about relationships that are marked with abuse, abuse of power and control, demandingness, selfishness, insecurity, untruths, manipulation, negativity, demeaning comments and attitudes. I hope this doesn't strike a chord with anybody in here, but I have a feeling it might. People who are jealous and dominant always need to know where you're going and what you're doing because they want to control your life. That doesn't reflect God. That's not the character of God. That's, why would God want you to be a part of that type of relationship? Why would God want to subject anybody to a relationship that tries to, to pull you into a vicious cycle that you can't escape? Here's, here's what it might look like. The, the cycle of a toxic relationship. There's a honeymoon stage, right? Oh, you're amazing. It's wonderful. You're like taco salad. It's fantastic. Right? You're awesome. It's rainbows and unicorns. You're amazing. But something happens. Something. You'll never know what it is. But something happens. And it triggers a period of tension starting to build up. 
And because both parties are unhealthy, because they don't know how to deal with their emotions, because they don't know how to deal with expectations and they don't know how to deal with things not going their way, they don't know how to deal with not being the center of somebody's world, because both people are unhealthy, they don't know how to deal with it. And ultimately, things start to get tenser and tenser and more tense, and it keeps building and building, and then boom, it explodes. Either in physical abuse or emotional abuse, Spiritual abuse, mental abuse, something happens and boom, and there's so much collateral damage. And when we look at the collateral damage, then we start to get sorry for what we've done because we're afraid we're going to lose the center of our world. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I'll never do that again. I love you. You're amazing. And things happen. Things change for a little bit. And then it's, oh, you're so fantastic. You're wonderful. Isn't it amazing? You're so awesome. And then something triggers it. And it happens over and over and over again. And we think it's going to be different this time. It's going to be different this time. If I just hold on, it'll be okay. So how do we break the cycle? How do we break this never-ending, unrelenting, toxic cycle of relationships. It might be the same person over and over again, or it might be different people that have the same personalities or the same issues. You might be over and over and over and over again. How do we stop the merry-go-round and get a little bit of sanity in our lives? Well, for most people, for most toxic relationships, they start because the individuals are looking for something in another person that they could only find in Jesus. Because there's a hole in our heart. There's a sense of identity. There's a sense of purpose. There's a sense of value. There's something that we need on the inside, at the core of our being, that we need to find in somebody else, and they will never be able to fill it. And so we get into these, and, and they know it. Toxic people know it. And when we don't find our identity in Jesus, which is where we're supposed to find it, we find it in them. And instead of Jesus being your God, they get to be your God. Jesus actually has something to say about this in Matthew 6, You'll probably know it, especially if you grew up in church or been around church or heard the word church at some point in time in your life. But Matthew 6, this is Jesus. This is what he says. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Well, what are all of these things? It's everything. In the context of this passage, it is food. It is clothing. It is a roof over your head. It's provision. But we can extend the truth to every area of our life. If we seek first the kingdom, God's will, rule, and reign in our lives, and we seek his righteousness, a right-standing relationship between him and us and other people, if we seek that first, if we find him at the center of our life, if we find him at the center of our identity, at the center of our provision, if we find him there, everything that we need, including our relationships, he'll add it to us because he knows that we need them and he's a loving God. 
But what we do is we seek the camaraderie. We seek the, the attention. We seek the value from somebody else who can never give it to us. And so if we were to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, the things that we need in our core, those things are things that he will add to us because he cares for us. If we base our identity in Jesus, we start to see things differently. We start to see ourselves differently. We don't need somebody else to define us. We don't need somebody else to give us value. We don't need somebody else to love us in order to feel complete in our life. We know that we are loved because God loves us and he created us not only with value, but with purpose. If you are here today and you are spending your life trying to win the approval of another person, I want you to know something. God loved you so much that in the middle of your mess, in the middle of your brokenness, in the middle of your mess, God loved you. And Jesus Christ came and he died because he wanted to be with you. That's how much value you have. You don't need to find it in anybody else. He showed it to you already. And he continually wants to show it to you every single day. And when we see that, when we see that we are loved, we start to notice our relationships differently. We start to see things differently. We start to say, hey, things are a little off. Things should be different. What should they look like? Actually, Paul talks about this. The Apostle Paul writes a letter. It's called Colossians. It's to the Colossians, hence the name. And it's in chapter 3, and I, wanna, I just want to look at it real quick because I think it's a great description. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, this is what the Apostle Paul says. Since God chose you, that's what he thinks about you. He picked you. You're not trash. You're not throwaway. You're not leftovers. He picked you first. If you're anything like me, that means a whole lot. To be the holy people that he loves. You must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That looks a whole lot different than toxic relationship, doesn't it? How would it be if your relationship, both people in, in your, your marriage, in your relationships, in your friendship, both people acted like that towards each other? That's a bit of a different story. That's what we're looking for. What would it be like if that was it? He goes on to say this. Make allowances for each other's fault and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So we know that we have to find our identity in Jesus, right? If there's any hope of healing ourselves, and if there's any hope of healing a toxic relationship, we have to find our identity in Jesus. It's not going to work any other way. You might try, but it's never going to work. You have to be able to find your identity in Jesus. And the second thing that you have to do to stop the cycle of toxic relationships is always extend forgiveness. Jesus forgave you so that you can stand and forgive somebody else. You are complete and find your identity in Jesus so you can stand and offer forgiveness continually to somebody else. Now, I'm not going to get a lot into forgiveness. We're actually going to talk about it next week. But just understand that we should be able to stand and extend forgiveness. Now, some people might be confused about what that looks like. But I want you to understand that you can stand, that you can, you can have a toxic relationship, and if you find your identity in Jesus, 
you start to see things differently. You start to see red flags. And you start, you start to be prepared to extend forgiveness and love. But here's the key, and you need to hear me on this. You can do it at a distance. God has not called you to be a punching bag for somebody else's sin. You don't have to pay for their sin. Jesus did it on the cross. You can love someone and you can forgive someone from a distance. You can love them and you can forgive them from a distance. How is that forgiveness, Pastor Mac? How is that, how is that making allowances? Did you know that Jesus even walked away from toxic people? Think about this. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus goes to his own hometown. And he's trying to minister there. He's preaching wisdom, godly wisdom, and trying to perform miracles. And that compassion is met with negativity, doubt, and demeaning statements. Did you know that? But Jesus didn't say, if I just hang out just a little bit longer, I'll win them. If I just say it one more time, it'll be okay. In fact, they wanted to kill him. So what did he do? I'm out. Did he hate him? No. He loved him at a distance. The rich young ruler. Jesus offers him an opportunity to become a disciple. Credible opportunity. I'd like that. But he couldn't do it. Did Jesus run after him? But wait, you complete me. I'm not mocking you. Understand me. Because there are people here who are experiencing this in their relationships right now. But did he do that? No. He understood that the man was responsible for his own action, his own decision. And he looked at him with compassion and with pity, with love in his heart for him, but he let him walk away. And there are times when your grace and your mercy will be met with demeaning attitudes and abusive behavior, and you just have to walk away or let them walk away, love them, and extend forgiveness at a distance. You see, the relationship is broken and there is separation there. That is a reality. Just because you stay doesn't mean it's whole. Just because you're taking the abuse doesn't make it whole. It's still broken. When you become somebody who identifies with Jesus as the center of your life, then you remove yourself from the cycle of toxic relationship from abuse and stuff like that. When you do that, it doesn't mean you don't love them. You're just making God more important than them. There are some times that we need to walk away. But I'm telling you, it's not giving up. You can forgive and you can love at a distance. Maybe this might help you. Paul, earlier on in his letter to the Colossians, writes this. This is incredibly important. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, 
He goes on to say, and through him, God reconciled. Say reconciled. Reconciled. Reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. If you think that I'm just making this up, understand this is actually how God deals with us. You see, in the relationship with Jesus, we are the toxic people. Can you show me the, the toxic relationship cycle again? Right? God, you're amazing. You're awesome. God, I love you. You're fantastic. But you didn't answer my prayer. I prayed for my mom and she's still sick. I prayed for that job and I didn't get it. I prayed for that guy and he doesn't love me. God, where were you? I don't understand. Why do you do this to me? Why do you hate me? God, where are you? You don't even exist. Oh, wait a minute. I'm so sorry, God. I do love you. I'll never do that again. I'll never walk away from you again. Does this sound familiar? Because in our relationship with God, we are the toxic people. And here's the reality. For every person that doesn't believe in Jesus Christ, if Jesus Christ offered forgiveness to everybody, that's what we believe, right? He extends a hand of forgiveness to every single person. Jesus cried once on the cross for all, right? We believe that. If Jesus Christ forgives everyone, why do some people go to heaven and why do some people go to hell? Because forgiveness, while it is essential, absolutely essential, is not the only part of the equation. Let me see if I can demonstrate this. Ronaldo, can you come out here? Hey, everybody, this is Ronaldo. He's one of our leadership college students. Come on, give him a hand. So let's say Ronaldo and I are friends, all right? But the friendship's a little one-sided. I'm not saying it's me, but I'm just saying. Let's say Ronaldo is continually demeaning me, continually saying that I don't support him, continually saying that I'm not a good friend. He says bad things about me. He talks about me behind my back. He spreads rumors about me. He's a toxic person. He's not really, but let's say he is. What happens in that friendship, in that relationship, because of Because of his behavior, he has walked away from the relationship and it's broken. Now, as a representative of Jesus, finding my identity in him, I've either let him walk away or I've removed myself from the toxic environment. Do I turn my back on him? No, not according to Colossians. What I do is I take the forgiveness that Jesus Christ gave me and I stand here and I'm offering it to Ronaldo. Right? Always. But here's the problem. Inside this box of forgiveness, there are blessings of a healed and whole relationship. Wonderful times together. Awesome conversations. But until Ronaldo turns and takes the gift of forgiveness, 
he will never experience the blessings inside of it. Unless he turns and he grabs a hold of it, he will never experience the blessings inside of it. You see, thank you, Ronaldo. Give him a hand. Here's the deal. While we stand with forgiveness always, there's another part of the equation that a lot of people forget. And that's repentance. You see, repentance is a turning. Ronaldo was standing here facing the opposite direction. But until he repented, we cannot reconcile. Reconciliation means to heal a broken relationship. Our toxic behavior, our evil thoughts and our actions separated us from God. Did it mean that God loved us any less? No, of course not. It meant that there had to be separation between us and a holy God because we were toxic. And it's not until we turned and repented that we could accept the gift of forgiveness and participate in the blessings of the restored relationship. Here's what I'm saying to us today. There are those of you here who have, are in a broken relationship. You're in a toxic relationship. And some of you need to separate yourself to get out of the abuse so that you can be whole and healed. What happens is when we try to participate in the blessings of a restored relationship without walking through the process of repentance, it will always be forever toxic because there's no repentance. I have an equation that I use to help people who are dealing with abusive relationships. It looks like this. Forgiveness plus repentance equals reconciliation. You see, a lot of people think that forgiveness is the point. It's not the point. Reconciliation is the point. There was not just a sin problem between us and God. There was a separation problem between us and God. God took care of the sin problem. We have to turn around and repent. And in our toxic relationships, when we separate ourselves from people, we can offer forgiveness all day long. But if they, if they don't repent, and I'm not talking about saying sorry. I'm not talking about feeling bad. You can feel bad and not repent. You can say sorry and not repent. I'm talking about they have changed their direction so that they can grab a hold of the gift of forgiveness. But until they do that, you have to love at a distance. The problem is, is we are expecting stuff out of ourselves that not even God does. Because while he loves you more than anybody else on the planet, if you wanted to experience a relationship with him, you had to repent. You had to turn. We are always supposed to extend forgiveness. And we can because we are whole in Jesus and he forgave us. But if our toxic partner or friend does not turn around and repent, the relationship cannot be restored no matter how bad you want it to be. But I just want to stay because I know if I stay, they'll change. You are not God, 
And he is the only person that can change their heart. But I love them. He loves them more than you do. But I love them. Guess what? He loves you. And he doesn't want you to be somebody's punching bag anymore. That's not the life he called you to live. I'm not talking about, hear my heart on this. You might be here and you might be a believer in Jesus and you might have a spouse that's not a believer in Jesus. I'm not saying leave them. That would be contrary to what scripture tells us. What I am saying, if you are in an abusive, toxic relationship, you need to understand that staying in the toxic relationship is killing both you and them. And no amount of staying and no amount of affirming the abuse is going to change that reality. It's not going to change the relationship. It's not going to change how you feel. It's not, going to, it's not going to make Jesus love you anymore. But what it will do is it will remove you so that God can heal you and God can heal them. So where do we go from here? I believe that there are a couple different types of people here today. If you're a person that's in a toxic relationship right now and you're recognizing there are some red flags and I just, I don't know what to do. I want you to know, hear me. Hear my heart. It is not your fault. Their sin is not your fault. It is theirs. And until they own it and change, they have not repented. Number two, you cannot change them. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Only Jesus can. Only Jesus can change them. And until they repent, the abuse, the toxicity will continue over and over and over and over again. Until you stop the madness, you get off the ride and say, I love you but you're killing me. I will always be here, but I have to love you from a distance. I have to offer forgiveness for you from a distance, and until you change, this can't be whole. This can't be restored. It's going to be a process. It's going to take time. There is hope. And if you're here today and you're the toxic person and you find yourself in a, in a cycle of, of abuse, I want you to know there's hope. Jesus doesn't define you by your sin. He loves you in the middle of it. There's hope for you. You don't have to be that way anymore. I'm begging you. Turn and come back to God. Because your toxic behavior is killing you and you don't even know it. 
and you need godly men and women who are wise that can surround you and pray for you, you might need counseling because you definitely need healing. But there is hope. It doesn't have to own you. You can have a new day with a new purpose and you yourself can be found in Jesus Christ and you don't need anybody else to define who you are or give you your identity. There's hope for you today. but you have to start with finding your identity in Jesus. He wants to. He wants to tell you how much you're worth. He wants you to know that he loves you, that he died for you just so that he could be with you. You don't have to get caught in the never-ending cycle of a toxic relationship over and over and over again. He can set you free if you let him. I'm going to pray for us. But we have prayer available if you need prayer. Don't let your pride and your arrogance keep you from God's future for you. If this has struck something in your heart and you need healing... I encourage you, I'm begging you to take advantage of sitting down with somebody and praying. We have cornerstone counseling. Go get counseling. Stop the madness. Stop the insanity. Because there's a better way. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word and your love for us. I pray, God, that you would release us from our bondage, that we could live a new life of freedom in Christ, identified in him. We thank you for it, God. I pray that your healing would be on the hearts here today of those people that are just broken and hurting right now. I pray that you would help them walk through a season of detoxifying so that they can be free in you again. In Jesus' name, amen.